0: That's
1: N-O-O-M to sign up for your trial today.
0: What is happening? Welcome to another edition of the Talking Pitching Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Pollock, and today I am very honored because Josiah Gray of the Los Angeles Dodgers is here to nerd out about pitching. Josiah, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Nick. Thank you guys for having me on. You know, I'm excited, always excited to talk pitching, uh, you know, and hear other people's perspectives and, you know, just go back and forth. So I'm really excited.
0: The, the idea that you just suggested that you want to hear my perspective is already incredibly touching uh, to start this off. But uh, but yeah, I I'm, I want to kind of talk about like the beginning um, where you started a bit and then go into the majors and then kind of hear about where you are now. So um, you're a New Yorker, even though they might say it's yep. upstate. It's, I'm not going to say that. New Rochelle High <laughs> and all. Uh, so does that mean that you grew up as a Yankee fan?
1: Yeah, grew up a diehard Yankee fan. Uh, Take the train right in. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I mean, I I always say I wanted to be happy in life. And uh, so I became a Yankee fan growing up in Brooklyn. Glad to hear it. Um, And you you went from New Rochelle High to Syracuse, where you actually were a a shortstop and a pitcher. Um, Mm -hmm. But eventually, I believe your junior year, you switched over to being a pitcher. What made you make the swap?
1: Uh, It was basically my sophomore year, summer. Uh, out in the Cape Cod league started throwing a, uh, a lot harder um, and kind of, you know, my draft draft prospects became a lot bigger on the Mount because we always have like a scout day out there in the fall at LeMoyne. But yeah, my coach was like, Hey, you're a good shortstop, but we think you're valuable for us and yourself on the mound. So mm-hmm. we want you to transition into being a starting pitcher. And it kind of was, uh, that was the transition from that summer on.
0: Right. And when you say you're throwing harder, like did you do anything differently? Were you just kind of uh, filling out a bit?
1: Yeah, I think I was one of those guys that just had to fill out, you know, mm-hmm. go go to college and, you know, trust the strength and conditioning people and, you know, start eating more and uh, just being really engrossed in the game. And I think that really benefited me. And I went from, you know, topping at 88 in high school to 94 my freshman year summer to 97 my sophomore year summer Man, so yeah. oh my god yeah it was, it was a really crazy but uh pretty much a steady progression
0: so so was it wasn't one of those things i mean look i'm you're talking to a guy who topped out i think on my best day was 83 84 and i'm six or four <laughs> and lanky okay so i'm just envisioning like you saying you're topped out at 88 in high school there was a moment between the 88 and 94 where you didn't know if you were throwing 90 quite yet Right? Because that's really the number Mm -hmm. that you hear. It's like, Oh, I just want to hit 90. I just want to get there. (laughs) And then then becomes 95, of course, after that. But still, do do you remember the first time that you knew that you threw 90?
1: Uh, Yeah, actually. uh, We were warming up for our spring season. Uh, We had just come back from fall break, uh, winter break, sorry, uh, my freshman year. And I was still uh, like a relief pitcher, kind of, but I was playing shortstop, playing third, whatever. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we have the velo charts for every pitcher. And remember one of my pitches was 91. Oof. And I was like, I was like, is that a misread? And they're like, could have been, maybe it wasn't. Uh, and then, yeah, I was just like, oh, all right, well, maybe I have 91 in there. Didn't hit it at all again. <laughs> and then that summer was when I hit 94. And that was like on a confirmed like stalker radar gun and, and that kind of uh, like –
0: rewrote my career yeah that, that's such an exciting moment man and did you like feel it did you like when it came out were you just like oh okay i've unlocked something new here
1: yeah definitely my freshman year summer uh, my first outing i went out there and hitters just weren't touching me and i was like i just feel really really good and i remember uh, my head coach at the time for our summer ball team he was like damn that was a really good outing he was like how, how hard did you throw at school i was like Eighty-five, eighty-eight. He's like, okay, well, I don't think that was 85, 88, but <laughs> we didn't have anything to um, tell us how hard we were throwing into the All-Star game. And that was probably a month later. And then I knew, I was like, damn, you're sitting, I think it was sitting like ninety-one, ninety-four. 94. It was like geez like <laughs> where the hell did that come from and and that was just uh that was just one of the steps of like progression and everything
0: yeah of course i mean what a moment that's such a yeah. you know, it just changes everything instantly yeah uh, and it must be incredibly exciting uh so so have you gotten the itch to go back to being shortstop again and maybe like stepping to the box a bit
1: uh always uh that's one of the things i'm always going to want to continue to do and try and mess around with like this past off season i swung the bat a little bit because you know my friends from home some of them are still in college so we still work out and throw together so when they'd go ahead i'd hop in the cage take a few hacks um and i try to stay as active with taking ground balls and that kind of stuff as well just to keep my feet moving uh so I, I still miss it but you know it it's hard as hell at this level so i'm glad i'm not doing it at this level
0: hey maybe you know maybe you're the next zach ranking we'd all love that uh, <laughs> well, in, in the hitting aspect but of course you know i mean he's just he's, he's the baseball treasure um but let's uh Let's move towards like you getting drafted because obviously that that's a huge moment mm. too. And you were drafted uh, by Cincinnati in 2018, but then shortly after, and, and and many might not know this, it was your 21st birthday yeah. when you were traded to the Dodgers <laughs> in the Yasiel Puig-Alex Wood deal. I mean, walk me through that moment.
1: Yeah, honestly, uh, I've said it uh, so many times. It was like, I was just heading out to the city, uh, getting ready to head out there and I got a call from a random number. And I normally don't take uh, calls from random numbers just because, right, you know, right. so many spam calls these days. And I just had like an inclination to take this call. Thank God it did. Hmm. Um, but I, I'm sure they would have kept calling. But, you know, I just took the call and uh, it was Sean Pender, who is the head of uh, player development over there in Cincinnati. And he's kind of just led to me straight saying, hey, you've been traded to the Dodgers we can't really go in depth about it and uh, you'll kind of just find out more details soon. And I didn't really know what to think. I was obviously excited for a new opportunity with the Dodgers, you know, best organization in baseball, but also like, man, I saw myself you know, two years down the line, three years down the line, you know, suiting up in the Reds uniform, you know, trying to bring that team back to, um, you know, the team that, that it was at the early two 2010s. So, um, yeah, it was it was just a interesting sort of uh, feeling that you're really like in the business now and you kind of just have to understand that.
0: Yeah, I mean, was there a bit of excitement also, though? I mean, it is the Dodgers. This is a team that has been you know competitive pretty much every single year for the past decade. Um, and I'm not saying anything negative about Cincinnati. And there is a bit of also, like, as you said, you want to bring them back. And, you know, that that challenge is is inviting. Right. Um, but I mean, you are going to the Dodgers and uh, I, I kind of want to lead into um, this question. that I, I love asking because we don't really understand how organizations work and we have an under- understanding that some are different than others and some are better at cultivating pitching talent. While some don't really give you the tools that you need. And I, I'm curious, how was it in Cincinnati uh, for your development, and was there a change when you arrived in L.A.? Uh, it was really uh,
1: different, more or less, um, comparing Cincinnati to L.A. Just because I believe Cincinnati was on the uh, like start of like the analytical um, tech-driven stuff and. Mm-hmm when I got over to LA, you know, they were fully engrossed in the stuff. And I started to learn more about my pitch mix and Hmm. what made my stuff play and what I need to work on, what was really good and whatnot. Uh, So that was pretty much the main difference between the two organizations. Cincinnati obviously, you know, was armed with a lot of information for guys, but it was more so just the paper data and the actionable stuff like, uh, strikes and, uh, two ball counts, three ball counts, uh, hitter counts, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then LA, you know, is that stuff all along with, you know, your track man stuff, your rap soda, your edutronic, how you're releasing the ball and putting the two together and trying to formulate a plan with LA was something that they're really um, conscious about. And they make sure that guys know that they have a plan and and their game plan is going to work as long as they stick with it and and continue to v- develop as pitchers.
0: Definitely, and and you said that the, the LA got to well educate you on your pitch mix. Uh, what kind of talk was that? I mean, we heard stories of like Garrett Cole getting like a five hour presentation on his pitch when he arrived in Houston. That's the, that's the kind of stuff we dream about. Yeah. Right. So what what did LA tell you about your stuff?
1: Uh, I just remember my first. Uh, bullpen of early camp. So I reported early uh, in twenty man, 2019 uh, for minor league spring training. So I reported a couple weeks early before our original report data. I remember my first bullpen, um, our pitching coordinator asked me, Hey, what do you think about the fastball at the top of the zone? And I was like, I love it. Like, I think it's a great pitch. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> it is. And I was like, Okay, And then like throughout the pen, he kept throwing in tidbits here and there about why that's a good pitch and uh, what makes it effective for me. And then kind of just throughout that whole early camp, uh, looking at Edgertronic, because I never had used an Edgertronic before. I'd never even seen a Rapsoda report or a Trackman report. So just diving into that stuff and then like giving me uh, benchmarks and how I can compare my stuff to the benchmarks, you know, it blew my mind. Yeah, that's <laughs> and great. It, uh, it really helped me to understand that, you know, what I do isn't uh, isn't average because you never want to be average, obviously, in this right. game. Um, right. And kind of just highlighting that stuff. And yeah, so they really uh, formulated a plan for me and, and said, go out and execute, you know, this stuff now and you know how to uh, perform
0: with it i mean that that's also exciting uh it makes so much sense on our end but like yeah you want to give the players the tools to be the best players like you want them to get better uh, that's how you win World Series, you know. Yes. It's it, it just makes so much sense. Um, and it's it, it's 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 frustrating on our end, uh, the idea that you had to go to another organization as to, like, to get that kind of attention. It's like, why isn't that everywhere? I will say, yeah. Cincinnati now they call it Cincinnati. You know, yes. and everything, right? This is certainly changed from when you were there, which is great news. Uh, yeah. And I think, I mean, not everywhere yet, from our understanding, but the fact that Raps- Rapsodo and Edronic, all that kind of stuff, is in place. In yeah. the Majority, I like to believe now. It's very exciting yeah. for from someone that wants every pitcher to be dope. It's exciting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times over there. You know, I still have a few buddies that I played rookie ball, still uh, rookie ball with, still in the organization, and they tell me, you know, it's uh it's a changed organization. You know, guys are excited to go to work every day and excited to get better and know that they're on a path to, um, excel, whether it's in that organization
0: or a different organization. Right. Oh, that's, that's the feeling. That's the dream. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. um, so I, so, okay. So let's talk about that repertoire a bit. I mean, you're saying high fastballs. I'm like, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know this. I have, uh, I call the blue, uh, the Blake Snell blueprint about, good four seamers up and uh, breaking balls down. It's not for everybody, but those with <laughs> you know fastball like yours, that's exactly the kind of approach that we see continued success with. And I want you to go into like the development of your secondary stuff and what you're feeling really yeah. good with right now.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling great with everything. Uh, you know, I think my curveball's taken uh, leaps ahead from pretty much every time I'm with, you know, the club, uh, whether it be spring training or alternate site or whatever we had last year. Um, you know, I just think they've been patient, but also, you know, telling me to use the data and continue to refine your stuff. And there was a point in time at the alternate site last year where, you know, I got on a certain like program uh, to try and enhance my curveball and, you hmm. You know, over time, it just continued to get better and I continue to get more vertical movement and horizontal movement and uh, those those simple things. And then and then with my slider as well, you know, it's been my uh, go to pitch. That's not my fastball. And they say continue to throw that. You know, it's a great pitch. It's not going to be that sweeper slider. It's not going to be a track man, a rap soda beauty. But if it's playing for you and it's getting swing and misses and, and off the barrels, then, Hey man, continue to throw it. And, uh, lastly on the changeup, you know, that's taken leaps ahead. You know, I've had to tinker with grips, you know, at the start of quarantine, I was on one grip uh, and then I tried a, a split uh, for a little bit. That didn't work out. Um, and then I went back to a different grip and, and that's been my, uh, grip of choosing lately so you know my off speed has continued to uh, be refined you know using data using feel and uh you know the organization is uh, second to none with their support and their um, you know findings with what may work what what doesn't work and, and trying to find like a middle ground to uh make guys better
0: so, so I want to talk about each one of those pitches individually because there's a lot of interesting stuff you put in there. Uh, first of all, with the slider. So you're saying it's not necessarily like the, like the big breaker as the curveball necessarily. You know, Ino uh, we talk about him a lot. He's amazing. Uh, and he gave a really great point about the best sliders are the ones that are just located in the zone well. Um, and would you say that's kind of your approach of it as like a, a, a secondary pitch that you can confidently get strikes with?
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually read his article on sliders, uh, which I thought was really. Uh, He's amazing. Yeah, it was it was awesome to read that. Just him going into depth about that. But yeah, a uh, good slider is something you can locate. Uh, you know, down in the zone, whether you're lefty or righty, and whether you have a sweeping slider. Like, uh, let me think. It was a sweep really good sweeping slider? Maybe Max Scherzer or. Sure. Uh, Corey Chat Kluber
0: comes to mind The Corey Kluber Chat. of course yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you might have that or you might have something like Amir Garrett or uh, mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom you know heavy on bullet spin uh, but if you locate it well like deGrom's obviously an outlier he throws it at 94 um, but yeah as long as you locate it well and
0: uh, you know
1: get it to where you want to be and you locate it and set it up well you know it, it, that's my MO that it's going to be a successful pitch
0: Cool. Uh, are you throwing that just your standard grip right along the uh, like the kind of the two seam uh, side with your middle finger or, or index finger?
1: I wish I had a ball right now, yeah. um, <laughs> but I'm sort of off the, uh, the MLB logo on the back. And uh, what's unique with me is I try to throw it like a curveball. Okay. And then if I, you know, get it in that red spot, it'll come off the side. Uh, ever so slightly, and I'll get obviously the bullet spin.
0: So kind of like, actually, um, we talk about this, if you just change your arm angle, you throw in a curveball, and normally you're over the top with that index coming straight down, so you get that full 12-6. But if you have a lower arm angle, you're essentially tilting everything so yeah. Now you're on the side of the ball, and it's, it's kind of like that curveball. But then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. now the ball's oriented differently. So yeah. You get that side motion. So that, that thats yeah. your grip for the most part.
1: Yeah. So that's my slider grip. It's been my slider grip since I want to say uh, rookie ball in 2019. Um, and yeah, you know, it's been it's been a great pitch for me, and you know, it's going to continue to uh, find success, uh, you know, wherever I, wherever I may be.
0: Yeah. So, uh, who taught you that pitch?
1: I, I want to say that I was self-taught. I. I you. Was, <laughs> yeah, I want to say I was just I was just tinkering, and uh, I happened upon that, and and started throwing it, and started getting results. Started, you know, being a really good pitch for me off of my fastball, um, and I've stuck with it ever since.
0: Nice. Um, so, okay. So, you, you might be hearing right now, everybody, that. Oh wait, he throws his curveball kind of like or the slider like it's a curveball. So then, how does the curveball differ? But <laughs> I'm curious about this too. I'm I'm thinking that you're doing a, a knuckle grip with that. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I spiked I spiked spike the index finger. You're, you're right about that. It's
0: gotta be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that something like you mentioned this and I thought this was fascinating? You said that the Dodgers had a program for you to improve your curveball. What is that like?
1: Uh, you know, it it involved uh. Uh, overweight ball, um, clean fuego, uh, which is, uh, you know, a hot thing talking about spin efficiency um, and regular baseball, Um, as bare bones as it may be, uh, you know, something I was doing at the alternate site. And uh, it definitely helped me uh, in the long run. And it's cleaned up my curveball and helped make it more consistent and and whatever else you may have it in, in trying to develop a pitch. Uh,
0: so so you say Clean Fuego. What exactly is that?
1: Ah, you've never heard of it. Uh, so Clean Fuego is a, a company that was started by Conor McGuinness, who is the assistant pitching coach for the Dodgers now, but he was my pitching coach in Rancho, in 2019 and basically it's a baseball with no sides so essentially a hockey puck but it's weighted evenly and so there's a 5 ounce which is you know the regular baseball weight and then there's an 8 ounce uh, overweight and basically you want to hide the sides is what they say and try to throw it as clean as possible so you know you get it, get it in your arm slot try to throw it as efficiently as possible. So that'll help your fastball spin efficiency, and then you grab one of those, you can try to throw a curveball, uh, it can get a change-up, and you can get a slider as well. Um, and it's a great uh, training device that I think it's, gone to the market. it's been in the market for about a year and a half now. Um, but that's something that's helped me uh, you know, with, my curve, with every one of my pitches, honestly, uh, because it's a seamless tool that you can throw into your bag and and throw 10 to 12 times before you throw and it'll give you instant feedback uh, and you don't have to like worry about a rap soda or Edutronic. you know you can look at the clean Fuego and and kind of just dictate your uh, learning off of that
0: Sure. Yeah. It just gives you kind of like a way to get back into rhythm. Like, right. Of course, this is, I've locked in with this. This is getting exactly the results I want to see. I can transfer to my normal bolt there. Definitely. Uh, And then with the change up, so you said you mess around with a couple grips. You had, I mean, the the assumptions, anytime you hear a change up, is that, okay, it's a circle change of some kind, either you're doing it, you know, middle ring finger on the four seam grip or the two seam grip. Then you went to a split, which I commend you for. (laughs) So I used to throw, I loved it. It's not for everybody. Yeah. I can't. I, I mean, it, the thing about changeups that I think a lot of people don't understand is for the most part, if you're throwing the circle stuff, that means you have to throw with your ring finger all of a sudden. Yeah. If you haven't thrown with your ring finger ever in your career prior. Yeah. Some people can just do that. <laughs> yeah. I can never do that. Um, I'm mm-hmm. getting the sense that it wasn't quite comfortable for you initially. So you went with the split, but then did you come back to it or is it just a different grip all, in, all entirely?
1: Yeah. So I started out with the, uh, like the circle over the four seam. And that was okay. Um, I don't remember too much about it. Uh, That was the changeup I had in 2019. And I rarely threw a changeup in 2019 um, just because I I honestly didn't really have to. Um, And then 2020, you know, with the pandemic starting and everything, uh, I was just continuously getting working. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try a split and it was okay for time. Like I got a few swing and misses in summer camp on it. And other times, you know, I was spiking in the ground. So I was like, okay, like, even if I'm going back to my regular grip, I wasn't spiking in the grounds like 40 feet in front of the plate. I was getting it there. It might be arm side know, high, arm side low, but you know, it's, it's getting there and I don't, I don't look like an idiot out there in the mountain trying to throw this pitch. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I axed that um, and then I came back to the grip I have now which is essentially like a two seam change of grip um, so, so it, it helps me kill um, some vertical spin Yep. right there it helps me kill some vertical um, vertical movement sorry and, and I obviously get more horizontal movement on it and it's been the, the change up I've gone with since uh, you know the middle of the alternate side till now and you know, it's been a great pitch for me and I'm Really excited for the future on that because I think a changeup is a pitch that only gets better over time. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those pitches as well that, you know, every pitcher wants a good changeup. Like,
0: oh, yeah.
1: Like, you know, because it's so hard to attain a really good changeup, but like every pitcher wants it. So I'm really excited for the future of that pitch and start throwing it more and, you know, getting swing and misses and, getting guys off the fastball and, and whatever else.
0: Definitely. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, it's very much the holy grail of many, many pitchers. I mean, we've been yeah. waiting about, I'd say, six years, seven years for both Glasnow and Archer to get a changeup. One day, though, it's, it's <laughs> right around the corner, we swear. Um, yeah. It is interesting. So you, you're doing going with a two-seam grip. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Primarily, you do throw four-seamers, right? Um, is there any sinker involved there, too?
1: No, no. So I'm I'm primarily uh, right. four seamers, and uh, the changeup is a little different. But you know, if I'm setting it up well, and guys are preparing for fastball to be a completely different look, and uh, right. get them right off of that pitch.
0: Yeah, I I think I agree with you. There's I think there's I mean we we go back to quoting Johan Santana about his changeup and fastball looking exactly the same, and that's why it yeah. always worked. But there's more to it than that, and it doesn't mean that you can't have a two seam changeup grip and a four seamer both work. We've seen that work a ton. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see Luis Castillo with his uh, changeup, Absolutely. which is 100% a two seam grip. Um, and he throws yeah. four seamers all the time, and there's no problem there. So, uh, I I definitely think you can get there. You just yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can pronate just like Devin Williams. I believe in you. Does you can do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Change-ups of pitch you really can't put in a box. You know, there's going to be so many different changeups and movement characteristics and spin rates and whatever else. But it's a it's a pitch that you know if you have a really good one, then the hitter has to you know be conscious of, conscious of that as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, so going back to to 2020, crazy year. What do you know? I uh, so there were no minor leagues and. For you, it meant going to the alternate site. You gave us a little bit of a glimpse of that, uh, but yeah, what was your general routine like uh, in 2020? Because we have this idea that you don't throw too many innings, but maybe you did. Maybe they actually put you a lot. Um, did you feel like it was a normal minor league season, or uh, yeah, what was what was the whole experience like for you?
1: I thought it was good. You know, we had a lot of really good guys over there. Uh, a normal day was kind of like. Similar to spring training, you just go in. Mm-hmm. You'd uh, obviously do your COVID check-in test and, and whatever else, uh, and then you just get ready. You'd eat breakfast, and depending on what you had for the day, you'd get ready for that. So say you know you were pitching later in that day in the live BP or, or scrimmage, then you'd prepare for that. If you weren't, you know it was another day. You would go through on the line, you get your conditioning in, you get your workout in, and then you go home. Uh, the games were interesting because we had an odd number of position players. So most times when we were pitching, we'd have a coach out in uh, huh. the outfield or, or in the infield or whatever, and uh, it, it'd get really short in numbers if the, the Dodgers were on a road trip because obviously they had the taxi squad. Uh but it was good. You know, we, yeah, we were getting our work in and I worked up to uh, about five or six innings. And I worked as if, you know, it was a regular minor league season. Obviously, I was facing, you know, some of my uh, former and future teammates. But, you know, it, it's really enjoyable and you kind of just have to know that this is better than the situation of being at home. You know, oh, we're yeah. getting our work in while. 150 other minor leaguers are at home trying to find their ways around to get ready for, you know, spring training now. So, uh, you know, it sucks to not play different teams, but I think that got me as prepared as anything else might have uh, for this spring training.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And I mean, you're coming off of a 2019 where you had about, I'd say, 130 innings or so, maybe actually a little bit more than that. Did you feel that 2020 kind of replicated that 130, 140 innings from you? Or did you feel like, you know, it's more like a workload of 70 or so? I know that's a really weird question to answer, but did you feel (laughs) as if you're right in the same place that you were before or maybe a step back in that regard?
1: Yeah, definitely different. Obviously, the innings numbers are completely different. I want to say I finished at 140 uh, in 2019, my first full season. Right. And last year probably got to round 70 80 uh-huh. so looking at it now it's like man if i can get 80 innings in with no season you know that's a win you have to chalk that up as a win so Absolutely, yeah knowing that it's like okay that was the best you could have done in any situation so just you know enjoy that part and and Be grateful that you were part of that experience and then kind of just coming into this spring training is knowing that, you know, it's going to be different because you weren't taxed as much as a normal year. But, you know, no one's going to be uh, discounted. You know, you have to show up and still be ready because, you know, things keep on moving whether you're uh, ready or not.
0: And we've seen people in the past uh, be asked to, you know, play winter ball or do some extra conditioning through the winter to get that stamina uh, for the season. Uh, what was your off-season routine like? Was it you tacking on more innings to get back up to close to that 140, or was it your traditional just working on stamina, and doing your drills?
1: Yeah, it was pretty traditional for me because once the alternate side ended, I joined the uh, Dodgers in the postseason run. So I was in Texas uh, throughout that all, and I was st- still continuing to throw. I would throw live BPs in between the series, so I was still getting work in. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, you, you know, you can tack on a couple innings if you if you count those uh, to the workload for the year. So uh, it was a shorter offseason. You know, we finished around November 1st or whatever it was, and then I just, you know, just took my little time off and, got right back into things knowing that you know, I have to be, I have to be prepared for this spring training as unknown as it was at the time. You know, I'd have to be ready, uh, middle of February and, and kind of just hit the ground running whenever we found out more information. Exactly.
0: Uh, and now that you're in spring training, right? This is the fun part. Here we go. We're ramping up. Uh, have you got a chance to, to pick the brains of any other pitchers?
1: Uh, not yet. You know, I'm, actually uh throwing partners with david price right now nice so it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that and he's a guy you know i i'm gonna continue to you know ask questions and and just bounce things off of him and i'm really excited for uh, you know to continue to throw with him Uh, but you know it's obviously everyone's trying to get their work in so you can't just be that guy like hey Uh, tell me about this, tell me about that. But, you know, there are certain times when you want to be curious and you want to ask guys questions. And, you know, I've definitely taken upon myself to try and do that as much as possible.
0: Sure. I mean, that would be the smart thing to do. I'm sure all of them would love to just uh, nerd out with you about all this stuff. Um, this has been fantastic, Josiah. I just have one question left for you, and it's it's the question we ask everybody. Uh, you've thrown so many pitches from little league all the way now into uh, you know to being a, a Dodger essentially, and. Uh, what is the one pitch you remember the most? some guys it's like that home run or that how did Juan Soto hit that ball to left field (laughs) some guys it's also like that was my best pitch I've ever thrown what is the one that you go to first?
1: Uh, Right off the bat man uh,
0: 2018
1: uh, LeMoyne we were uh, in the NCAA regional for the first time in seven years uh Obviously, uh, LeMoyne used to be a Division One school and, you know, they were Division One independent for a while, went to Div- Division Two uh, starting in 2012 and never appeared in the uh, NCAA regional. And that being my junior year, we had a great ball club. You know, I was doing great on the mound. Everyone was hitting the crap out of the ball. And we uh, played our first regional. I'm starting and, uh, you know, 3-2 ball game going into the ninth inning. My coach knows I'm not coming out of the game. I know I'm not coming out of the game. I'm around 95, 100 pitches, tons of scouts in stands, but I know I'm not coming out of the game because that's potentially my last game, uh, pitching in college. And uh, I get the first two outs, and my last out, uh, I punch out a guy, strike three on the corner. It's actually on my Instagram if any of the followers want to go uh, watch that. And that is probably going to sit with me the rest of my baseball career just because of the pure, um, like, authenticity of the moment. You know, it was like all those things I just talked about just kind of, like, coming to a head and, you know, knowing that I just pitched us to the next round and, you know, we had, hadn't been in NCAA regionals in a while. And that that's probably my most exciting moment to this day. Obviously, you know, I'm creating great moments as we speak. Uh, that's something that you always remember because of the people you're around and you know, college baseball is a great experience for everyone. And so yeah, that's that's probably the the number one pitch on my list right now.
0: It's very rare that you get to, you know, end on such a great note, essentially, right? That that's what it is. That's what that pitch was for you. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a great answer. I love it. Some guys be like, I don't know, some crazy home run that someone got hit. I don't understand how he hit it. Now That's that's a real moment in your life, essentially. And uh, yeah. that's a wonderful answer. Uh, Josiah, this has been fantastic. I really cannot thank you enough for taking the time uh, to talk about this stuff. Uh, and we're all really excited uh, for what's ahead for you. Uh, so we, I hope we get uh, a glimpse of Josiah Gray in the majors this season. Uh, as, uh, yeah, we'll be ruined for you, man. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.